Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. All right, this is Alan Blaine, and I am fired up to interview our special guest today on the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, Cole Taylor. Cole Taylor is a health and performance coach. He's an entrepreneur, international speaker, and founder of The Starting Line. Over his career, Cole has coached thousands, including Fortune 500 business owners, professional athletes, mega church pastors, and famous musicians. He has also spoken for audiences of over 30,000 people across the world and shared the stage with many industry greats like Ed Milet, John Maxwell, Robert Kiyosaki, and Kevin Harrington. Cole's mission is to inspire and empower people to step into the more that they were created for. Cole, welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, man. You ready for this? Oh, I'm so pumped, Alan. Thank you for the warm intro, and I'm excited to be here. We'll get into this, I'm sure. I'm a former pastor, but something about alliteration and rhyming, I just can't help it. Everything I write or say has to fit some of those in there. I love it. I love it. So I've shared just a brief background with our audience of who you are and what you're about. But if you could, let's start by taking us back a little bit and giving us the 30,000 foot view, you know, the Cliff Notes version of how you came to be the person you are today and in the occupation that you're currently doing with the business, the starting line. Yeah, cool. So I was a college athlete. I played division one football and I've always been passionate about sports and health and fitness. I just grew up in a family that uh, preached that a lot. And I also was in a family of pastors as well. And so following playing football, I thought the best way that I could serve people and make an impact was to work for the church and be a pastor. And so I graduated college, I had a business degree, and I went straight into full-time ministry. And I loved it. I love being able to pour into people and create an impact. But I got to this place where I realized that there was more that I wanted to do. And there's a part of me that wasn't fulfilled. Some of it was I didn't like making $30,000 a year, but also I wanted to have conversations around more than just faith. Like I was very passionate about health. Now I have a master's in business and a bunch of certifications and operating systems. I love talking about mindset. Like I wanted to help people grow in every area, not just what does God's word say? Let's pray about it. I wanted to be able to say, hey, the reason why you're tired is not because you're not praying enough. It's because you eat junk all the time and you don't move your body. Or the reason why you and your wife are struggling is not because you're not praying enough. It's because you stayed up all night playing video games and you haven't taken on a date in three months. Like, so I wanted to be able to have some of those practical conversations. And so I, that on top of, I just felt God was leading me in this direction. I, I stepped out of full-time ministry. I went back and got my master's and I started this health coaching business. And at this point, we've helped thousands of people. And it's been such a really cool thing to be able to see people grow starting in their health. But what I found is if I can take care of me first, like if I show up with better mental clarity, better energy, better confidence, every other area grows. And so we preach that fitness is the foundation. Like if I show up different, everything grows. So that's kind of the journey to where I am now. And I get to do a lot of other fun stuff too, like you know, consulting for businesses. And I get to speak a lot. And a lot of our speaking is just a reflection of our company of me getting to go talk to business owners about, Hey, maybe the thing you're not finding, or maybe the thing you're missing is not just a new marketing strategy or a new business operating system or new funding. Maybe it's a new you, maybe you just need to be a better leader. And if you can grow everything around you grows, but 
just to dive a little deeper, and I'm sure with the theme of this podcast, we'll break it down a little more. But the reason why I'm passionate about health is not just the love for fitness and the sports that I've had, but I've also lost a ton of family members from health complications. I've lost my mom, my dad, uncles, grandparents, all the men on my mom's side of the family all had heart attacks. Like I said, my dad had a heart attack, his dad, his brother all died from heart attacks. And so something that drives me a lot is I don't want others to go through that too. I don't want my life to be a reflection of that as well. And I want to change that for my future generations. And so I get kind of the dual benefit of, I love health, but more importantly, I get to turn the pain that I have into a purpose to help other people. I love that Cole so much. Now I'm 51 relative to my age. I look at you here across the screen. You're not that old, right? yet you've lost, you said your father already. And did you say your mother as well? Yeah. So my mom died of birth complications when I was born. My father died when I was in high school. By the grace of God, I have a, an amazing stepmom and stepsisters that came into my life when I was very young. And so I still have a, a beautiful family, but you know, if it weren't for God bringing that together, I'd be an orphan. Wow. I literally have no blood relation left. I think I have one uncle that I'm not super close with, but outside of that, I don't like it's God just brought a family of choice into my life. Wow. It's tragic how you got there, but it is a great story of God's redemption and bringing you what sounds like an awesome family regardless. Okay. So how many years ago did you start your business then? Yeah. So I started doing coaching at first when I was still working at the church. That's kind of when I learned about, Hey, I can help people not in person. Like, what does that look like? And so I learned about this world of internet marketing and of helping people virtually. And so I started doing sales and coaching for an online fitness coaching company, fell in love with it and very quickly was making more money in a couple months than I was the whole year of my church salary. And I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty nice too, but also was making a great impact. And so I fell in love with that. And then when I stepped out of the church to go get my master's, I started my own coaching company, which ended up being kind of life coaching. It's like the pastor side plus the fitness side. And so I started doing coaching eight-ish years ago, not for myself, but I started my own company four years ago. And then this version of what we do now, I actually have a business partner now. We merged our businesses, started two years ago. And so for four years, I was doing coaching and consulting and sales for other companies. And then I started my own four years ago. And then now two years ago, we've kind of fully pivoted into what the version of what we do now is, which is bringing what my business partner does is very high level fitness coaching. He just was a professional bodybuilder for years, but combining that with the hands-on like mindset work, but we also have taken things to the much deeper level. We do testing of blood work and gut health and we have doctors, nutritionists. So that iteration of what we do is two years old. Wow. And so in just four years, I think you said of not being a pastor, right. And just doing this business or a variation of this business that you co-own today, you've accomplished so much. I mean, you're, like you said, you've, you've been speaking with stages of people like Ed Milet and John Maxwell and Robert Kiyosaki and Kevin Harrington. And it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and most people will never do that in their lifetime, let alone in four years. So what would you say you attribute your success to? I mean, what, what is a practical key, maybe said a different way to your success that our listeners can go, Hey, I'll latch onto that and, and follow that. Sure. Honestly, I could give a laundry list of them. Right. The first one is me just honestly following what God leads me to. And I, I cannot say that enough, but I realize that's not super practical for a lot of people. I think practical wise, always asking the question of who do I need to become is the thing that drives me the most. Most people, when they set goals, they say, here's where I am. Here's where I want to be. Let's create a game plan to get there. But I am constantly stepping back and saying, who do I need to be? 
what kind of identity do I have to have for those things to happen and letting those drive my actions. And as I've done that, it's taken me surrounding myself with different people, taking different actions, you know, but also believing something different about myself. And I believe my outer world is a reflection of my inner world. And if I can fix those things, which is when I ask myself, who do I need to become? It's never a person that dresses like this. It's always a person that believes I can do this or the person that carries this confidence, or the person that has this identity or these habits. So every time I do this, it leads me to massive changes and massive growth, but it's not the actions driving it. It's, Hey, I'm actually this person. Like I'm a healthy person. So I work out or I'm a person that speaks in front of thousands of people. And so I have to be this kind of confidence and I have to do these kind of things on a daily basis. So that has driven a lot of growth as well as, like I said, being around people that already do that, that can force that acceleration. Right. Those have been massive for me. That's huge. And you brought out such a great point. And I love that you shared that with all of us because it is more about who you want to become than the destination itself. If we see so many people, they're focused on where they want to be and they're overlooking the growth that needs to take place of who they need to become to achieve whatever it is they want to achieve. And, you know, we mentioned you talking on stage with John Maxwell. I was thinking of the phrase, the law of the lid, and that is that our income can never exceed our leadership ability. And so it, the lowest common denominator is us. 100%. Right. And our mindset and the things you were talking about, habits and our yeah. character and, and the things that I think of when I hear you say, picture who you want to become sure. and go work on becoming that person. Yeah. The identity will always shape the actions and the beliefs will shape the behaviors. Like, you know, people say be, do, have, like that's a hundred percent true is I have to become a different person. Then I'll start doing different things. And because of that, I have different results, but most people try to just do different things. And a lot of really driven people can get fast results by just doing different things. But that identity is always the thermostat that eventually will bring you back. That's why 75 hard <laughs> never fails to people gain the weight back afterwards or keto is, hey, I, get, I crushed it. I did this thing. But then you see them six months later and they gained all the weight back. Why? They did a different program. They did different actions, but they didn't become a different person. So right. if you start with the internal first the actions just follow and then the, the results not only happen, but they're sustainable. That is so good. Yeah. Sustainable is the key, right? Making changes internally is sustainable. Yeah. Much more sustainable than, as you said, some fad program or crash diet or whatever that you couldn't do for a lifetime. When we talk about challenges and, and overcoming adversity, by the way, I love your analogy. Fitness is the foundation. Yeah. I love it because I can relate with it. I feel like when I'm fit and healthy. And that includes, as you already mentioned, getting the sleep I need, sure. getting the fluids I need and getting all the things, right? And being my ideal body weight and feeling good in my own skin and all these things, having mental clarity, man, everything else gets easier. And you're way more equipped to be a better husband, to be a better friend, to be a better entrepreneur, all the things. So I just love that. I love that. Fitness is the foundation. It's powerful. And, and we say fitness is not about abs and biceps. It's how am I showing up? And I think that's a message we preach that's very different. Most health companies are preaching like, you know, do you look yourself in the mirror and you're happy with what you see? And if not, you're a liar and you, you need discipline. It's like, you know, that's not what we like. Sure. Some of that's valid, but it's a totally different motivation when you say like abs and biceps are just a byproduct. Like how am I showing up for the people I care about? What impact am I making? And if I can think about that, like 
that's a much deeper why than I, Hey, I want to have abs at the pool this summer. Like it's, right. <laughs> it's a much deeper thing, but I also look at like, I want to weaponize my body. I don't want to just look good. Like I want to make sure that I can show up with energy. I can show up as the best version of me. Cause like you said, everything becomes easier when that happens. Right. I love it. Yeah. Life's an energy game, marriage, business, all the stuff yeah. is an energy game. And when our energy is high, we're just a lot more effective at everything we do. And so many people, as you know, they're going through life and what they think is normal it doesn't have to be normal. It may be common, but it shouldn't necessarily be normal, right? right. You've already mentioned a lot of tragedy and loss that you've had in your, when sure. we talk about, you know, overcoming adversity and succeeding anyway, and kind of giving all of our listeners and our own selves, just hope for a better future, regardless of what punches come in our face, you know, now or in the future, because we're all going to have more adversity. Bible tells us that life tells us that if we've lived long enough, but what would you say has been one or more of your bigger challenges? Has it been losing the family members or would you say it's something else? Yeah, 100% losing my father was the biggest one. I think, you know, not to minimize losing my mom because that's tough, but, it, you know, I was so young and it was, I didn't really know much different. There's other subconscious things that, you know, of attachments and traumas that you, you know, subconsciously have had to work through that I think I'm still affected by that. But the biggest one was definitely my dad. And, you know, he was my best friend. He was my role model. He's a man of strong faith and was serving people and making an impact. And to see that, like to see him die at a young age, like rocked me at my foundation of like, man, this guy did all the right things. Like was praying every day, was serving people, making an impact, but yet he lost his life early. And I think it forced me to look internally and like, what do I actually believe? What do I actually want in this life? And for me, it turned into making a decision of leaning in deeper to my faith but for others that it shakes them if they don't have any sort of foundation or don't know where to look. But I think the biggest thing for me that I took out of that is not, is not just, you know, the struggle of losing my best friend or losing the role model for me, but at his memorial service, I had so many people come up to me and said, Hey, your dad made such an impact on my life. Like he called me when I was struggling or he walked me through me and my wife in struggle times, or he was mentoring me through this. Like, he made such an impact on my life. And the, the hardest part of me losing him was hearing those things and realizing that he died at 50 and he had a half of a life left to be able to make an impact. And I say that as a reason to say, like, I wake up every day with this kind of drive to like, I want to maximize the impact I have on this earth, not just by showing up today. Like he did a great job of showing up for the 50 years he had, but I want to make sure that I prepare my mind, my body, my spirit to last the full time. So I can actually make the full impact and not have it cut short because I didn't take care of myself. And so losing my dad was definitely the, the hardest part that I've gone through, but it's also totally shaped my perspective and everything I do in life. I bet. And I'm curious, you said it was a heart attack. I think you said at 50 years old for your father, yeah. what was your view on health and fitness and all that up until that time? Was that a aha moment for you or some kind of turning point mentally right then and there, or did that happen later? So honestly, my stepmom, you know, I call her my mom just because it's all I've ever known. And I love her to death. She's incredible. But what would be my stepmom? She was very passionate about health. Like I grew up with all organic foods and you had to drink or eat protein before you could have anything. And, you know, we all work out together. And so I, I grew up kind of being trained in that and I love sports, but losing him was definitely a wake up call. Uh, like I went and actually got my heart fully tested as a you know 18 year old, just because like, I need to, there's a lot more than just eating good. Like I got to see what's going on in the inside, but really the last few years has been the truest. Like the more that I've gotten certifications and training and degrees, and I you know have people on our team that teach me more and more about this stuff, the more that 
I've been able to truly understand what happened. And I think it's been a, not just an immediate wake up call, but something that I continue to gain more clarity. And honestly, like his was something that the doctors say was genetic and couldn't necessarily have been prevented. I don't necessarily agree with that though, because I, I have a good friend that had a heart attack recently that just put him in the hospital for a couple of days, but he had one of his close friends had the exact same heart attack because of a genetic thing that actually made him a vegetable. And the difference between these two guys was the one that was fine, was in incredible shape and took care of his body. And the doctor said, Hey, if you wouldn't be in the shape you're in, you would have died. You would have like not been in here more. And so I look at my dad and not to knock you know, him by any means, but there was things he could have done. He could have taken care of his body in a different way. And I, he might still be with us. I don't know. That's in God's hands, but it's more of a wake up call for me of like, I'm going to do everything I can that I can control. And obviously my life's in God's hands, but I'm going to make sure there's nothing I've done to cut that short. How do you feel or what would your response be to somebody who says, Hey, cause you just said God's in control. And you know, I think we both agree. He can take us in our sleep tonight. That could happen. Yeah. What would you say to somebody? Cause I've heard this from different people. I'm sure you have too is, Hey, what's it matter? Like health and fitness. I'm talking about health and fitness sure. in the context of what we're talking about. When your time's up, your time's up. God's in control of that. Why do you concern so much with the health and fitness and all this stuff? You know, what's your answer to that? I think it's two parts. Let's take the future part off the table. Let's say I agree with you and God is in full control and he's got a day for you right now and it doesn't matter. Well, if you do have 47 years on this earth, wouldn't I want to maximize those? And if I don't have energy, if I'm not taking care of myself. If I feel terrible, if I'm sick, I'm not going to be able to even selfishly, I'm not going to be able to accomplish what I want to, if that's the case, let alone make the impact. And so if that's your belief is like, God has a day number for me and there's nothing I can do to change it. Well, think about today. Like, what you bring into your family, to your business, the people you care about. And if you're not taking care of your fitness, you're not bringing the best to you. Now, right. I'm a believer that while God is in full control, like he also gives us choices and there's natural laws too. Like God has my day numbered maybe, but if I go jump off a bridge right now, like that day is short. Like I still have choice that plays into this right. and God has given us that freedom. And so I don't know what that balance looks like. I think that's a, a thing that maybe we'll understand on this side of eternity, but I'm going to do everything I can to maximize those times. And, you know, if, <laughs> if God takes me earlier, he does, cause he's got a reason for it. But if not, maybe my life is extended and I can utilize my time on this earth better. I love it. Yeah. A hundred percent agree with you, Cole. I mean, you want to maximize your time on this earth. And I just keep thinking when you said that Matthew 25, Matthew 25, Hey, what am I going to do with the gifts? talents, abilities. Yeah. And Matthew 25 talks about parable, yeah. the talents, but what am I going to do with the gifts, talents, abilities, and the moments, however many more moments of breathing I have, what am I going to do with them? Yeah. It's time. Like, what am I doing with the actual minutes I have? It's talents, the giftings, it's treasure, it's our money, but it's also our temple. Yep. But what, what am I doing with the body God has given me? Because that's the whole like source of it all. I can't do anything else if I don't actually use this carcass. <laughs> That he's right. Machine. right. Yeah, exactly. And I would even flip the question around for people that sure. might be still not convinced of this to challenge people to think, well, is it really self-centered and selfish to think who's going to be taking care of me if I have the last 10 or 20 years living in sickness, which again, you might, and I might, we both know that we can't guarantee anything but science has shown these choices we make do stack the odds one way or the other for sure. So it's like, I feel like it's pretty selfish to go, Hey, what's it matter? What do I eat? What's it matter if I, this, that, and the other God's in control. It's like, well, at some point the odds are in the favor that now your loved ones that we care the most about 
are going to be the ones taking care of us, you know? And so it's like, that's something I think people also don't really think about when they're in that mindset of, well, it doesn't matter. That's a dangerous place to live, in my opinion, because you could do that with any area. You could say like, why should I work hard? Because like God could make the economy crash. Right. Well, then why is there any hope for anything in this world? I should just not try and quit and just in my life. Like that's a terribly dangerous thing. It's like, why not take control and say, hey, I have a purpose on this life. I'm going to do everything I can with it. And if I work hard, I will see the results of it. I would way rather focus on that than to be like, well, who cares? It's God's control anyways. Like that's not the life I want to live. Yeah, 100% me too. When you think back on your challenges, like the loss of loved ones, which has been the bigger challenges that you've been through, hopefully they're the biggest challenges you ever go through. How do you view that? Like in the sense, do you feel like that's given you an ability, uh, experience that you've been through hard in this case? How has that benefited you? Do you feel like it's benefited you in some way and or those around you that you come in contact with having that adversity that you've come through in your life? I definitely see it as a gift at this point. Not that I wish that or, you know, if I could change it, I'm sure I I would. Like I would love my dad to be here or the other family members I've lost, but I see it as a gift because it's made me who I am. And I think of uh, here comes the alliteration again, can't help myself, but I think it's perspective and purpose. Like it's given me a completely different perspective of how I see the world, things that most people get bent out of shape about, like, do not phase me at all. Like you get in a car accident and you're like, well, at least I have a car and I can have the money to get it fixed and everyone's okay and we're good. Like, I just don't get stressed out by things that much, you know, unless I allow myself to and I focus too much, but you know, little things just don't shake me. And I, I see things as through much more of an eternal perspective, but also purpose. Like I mentioned before, like that's what drives me to make an impact is the things that I've gone through, like that pain has become truly purpose for me. And I don't want others to go through that. I, you know, I don't want others to miss out on the impact they could make just like my dad did, or I don't want them to go through the pain that I did because their father or they themselves did take care of themselves. So it's perspective and purpose and it's totally changed me. And it's a gift. I think. I agree with you when we, and I have successful people, like all the ones I've had the privilege of getting to interview on this show, you being no exception. I love taking the time not only to get to share a little bit of your story with others, but also some of the wisdom, insight, nuggets, success tips that you have. And I want to kind of transition into that a little bit. Yeah. So when you think about your life and at whatever age you are right now, if you could go back in time and go back to maybe, you know, your teenage years, what would be one piece of advice you'd love to give your younger self? I think honestly, it took me a few years to really see what I just told you, like it is a gift. And so I think if I could have learned some of those lessons earlier and not that I'm behind by any means, I think I'm right where God needed me to be and where I am. But if there was a way to accelerate some of that stuff, I think I would go back and tell myself that it's not happening to you. It's happening for you and everything, every pain you're going to go through, every struggle, frustration, even you know, disappointment is not happening to you. It's happening for you. It's cultivating something inside of you. There's a refinement or a shaping or a strength that's being built. And I look at it just like going to the gym. Like it's not me just walking in and swiping my card and then turn around and walking out. Like that doesn't get me in shape. It's the actual pain or the struggle that produces strength. So I think that's exactly what I go back and tell myself is like, Hey, the things that are going to happen and there's going to be a lot, it's happening for you. It's not happening to you. It's going to be a gift. And if you'll take that perspective coming in and you can learn that now, it'll soften some of the blows, but it'll also give you the perspective of a gift much sooner. That's great advice. And kind of along the same lines, is that the same advice you'd give to somebody who may be listening to this episode right now 
that is right in the middle of their storm of any age is right in the middle of their whatever it is, their adversity they're going through. Is that the same advice you'd give them or would you give them a different piece of advice? I think that is a beautiful encouragement, honestly. And I would be remiss without saying this. None of the mindset tips or the people or the strategies or the perspectives got me through that. Like those were helpful. But if I didn't have a solid foundation of my faith and I'd have a relationship with Jesus, I would have not made it through that. I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't have a savior that loved me enough to meet me right there. And, you know, anyone that is listening to this, whether you have a relationship or not, like the only thing that got me through those dark times with no one to turn to was me literally saying a prayer in my room and just saying, like, I can't do this. I need your help. And then feeling his presence and his peace come in. That's the biggest encouragement I can give to anyone is like, just get on your knees and ask for help and he'll meet you right there. I love it. That is well stated. Do you have a favorite success quote? I mean, you're a successful entrepreneur. I don't know if you're into success quotes or not, but I love to ask everybody if you have a favorite success quote you might want to share. I've got so many, but honestly, the message I preach the most and the thing, like I said, that's changed me the most is talking about identity and how that shapes your actions. My favorite quote right now is by my pastor, Craig Rochelle, and he says, you do what you do because of what you think of you. And that rings in my head. And so anytime I look at my actions and I'm not happy with what I'm doing, I'm not happy with the results I'm getting, I go back to, okay, what identity or what story am I telling myself that is shaping that? And how do I shift that? Like when I stopped playing football, I gained a ton of weight. That's I actually gained 50 pounds and I went through the cycle of up and down and gain it and lose it like everybody else. And it wasn't until I grasped that and said, Hey, I'm still an athlete. That's my identity. And because I'm an athlete, this is how I train. This is how I eat. This is how I sleep. And it was what I thought of me that shaped what I did. And so I think that's the biggest piece of advice and my favorite quote is how can I just change what I think of me? Because that changes everything else. I love it. And I love just on that vein, I love just thinking about what God thinks about me. Uh Informing what I think about me has been just tremendously, tremendously helpful. That's the most powerful part is reading through scripture and realizing I'm a child of God. I'm gifted. I'm created his image. Like I'm beautiful, wonderful and made. Like if you allow those things to shape you, my goodness, like it's amazing what it could do. Absolutely. What position did you play? You said you played D1 football. What position and where did you play at? I meant to ask you that earlier. I played slot receiver and I played at the University of Tulsa. Then I played a year at Central Oklahoma, which is a D2 school when I was getting my master's. All right. Super fun time. My body hates me. So yeah, (laughs) a lot of injuries and uh, still things that are achy from that, but it was a good time. So you're not only fit, you're fast. Fast enough. Fast enough. Okay. More quick than fast. All right. I love it. I love it. What would you say is one habit that has helped you in your success? Man, I guess it's kind of reiterating on some of what I've talked about, but the power of visualization without a vision, people perish is what the Bible says. And if I can't see where I'm going, I'm wandering. So that's the foundation for me is actually being able to have a vision or a purpose and and see that on a daily basis. Cause then you can take it further. And like you said, of vocalizing things or speaking that life over yourself, you can start to shape your habits and identity around that vision. But if you don't start with who do I want to be and can I see that person on a daily basis? Like that, that's been the most powerful thing. And there's countless studies I've read on the power of visualization, but it's a game changer for me. And it allows me to come from a place of purpose. Like it's pulling me forward. That vision is driving me. The times I feel lost is when I stop visualizing and I can't see that person. So good. So good, Cole. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I use it to this day. I still just am picturing the person that I'm wanting to become and the destination I want to be and the 
family I would like to yeah. be a part of and all, all those things. And they're what drive me. Yeah. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? <laughs> I feel like there's so many, I, I think out of all of them, the first one that comes to my mind, that's not just reiterating some of the stuff we've talked about is getting in the right rooms. Yes. Big part of me actually holding to the identity that I've seen is just surrounding myself with people that are already have that identity. And, you know, I've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in masterminds and hiring coaches of people that do exactly what I do just to hold me to that. Like as I've surrounded myself and especially people that are way ahead of me, like when you get around, like some of those guys that you listed that, that were in my intro, which our team wrote for me. And I get a chuckle out of that. Cause I think it's weird saying some of the stuff, but it is what it is like surrounding yourself with those people. You come back and you're like, man, I could do a lot more. There's a lot more that I could do. And so that's been a big part of my acceleration is just being in those rooms. And you know what? That's a big thing that I missed for so many years. I didn't have any mentorship. Sure. So when I finally realized this several years ago, it has been a game changer. And I wish, I only wish I could have known it and understood it. Well, as young as possible. So I'm glad that you shared that. It's the rule of five. Like, and I like saying it in a negative way of like, if you're surrounded with five overweight people, you'll be the sixth, <laughs> five broke people, you'll be the sixth. And that rings in my ears. And so I'm like, I have to be very intentional about who those other five are because I will literally become those people. Man, it's, it's so good. I know I, I did an entire episode, solo episode on the power of association not that long ago, really. My children don't sit around just eager to listen to all my podcast episodes, but I asked every single one of them, will you please, if you don't ever listen to another one, listen to that one. Yeah. And the Bible talks about that too. You know, I know every solid personal growth and development or success principle, whatever you want to call it, it can be traced right back to the word of God. And we're told it's got everything we need to live a successful life in it. So I believe it. Yeah. Speaking of books, what is one book that you'd recommend for the life's hard succeed anyway? audience? Oh man. The one that that quote came from, The Power to Change, Pastor Craig Rochelle. It's very similar to Atomic Habits. And I know that one's one of my favorite books, but it adds a spiritual component and really talking about how do I shift the inner world so the outer world aligns with it and the power of habits and the power to change. And it's been life-changing for me. Craig Rochelle, it's called The Power to Change. What would you say is your Cole Taylor's definition of success? It's a great question. I think I look at success in a long-term way of at the end of the life that I live coming face to face with, whether it's God, that's what I believe. I'm going to have to answer for what I've done. You know, some people just say they you know, come to the end of their life, you know, but for me, it's, I got to come to face to face with God and be shown here's the life you could have lived, the impact you could have made, the person that you could have become. Success for me is like, I get well done and good faithful servant. You've lived the life I've called to you. Now on a daily basis, it's, am I aligning who I am with the person I know God has called me to be. And so success to me has nothing to do with what I'm accomplishing. Those are byproducts, but it's an alignment with this is the person God has called me to be. Am I truly living out that value and character? I love it, Cole. That's good stuff. What would you say excites you when you think about the future? I don't know what you're working on right now, or, or, or maybe it's not anything you're working sure. on, just anything. When you think about the future, what gets you excited about that? It sounds cheesy, but impact drives me so much. That's why I was a pastor. It's why I love coaching, like just being able to inspire and impact people. We're making some shifts in our company to go from, you know, we're very hands-on one-to-one. It's very high level testing and concierge and one-on-one -on -one coaching to open up some more community aspects and get to do what I really love and getting in front of more people. So instead of a couple hundred people in our community, opening it up for thousands. And that's the thing that lights me up, whether it's that 
or just speaking in front of audiences, but the, the opportunity to make an impact and encourage people, that's what wakes me up in the middle of the night of like, oh, I can't wait to be able to pour into this group and help them. I love it. We're uh, two brothers <laughs> from another mother, but we got a lot in common. I feel like you're just repeating every answer that I would have said had somebody been asking sure. me these questions. Well, that's alignment there. Shout out to David for the connection. Thank you for that. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, David Waldy. What is the best way for our listeners to connect with you and follow along on your continued journey? Yeah, my favorite place to connect is via social. Instagram's a great spot, Cole David Taylor. That's my at. Uh, Facebook is the same, Cole David Taylor. If you want to check out our website, it's at the startingline.fit.fit. We have a podcast under the same name in the starting line, but actual connection, shoot me a message on Instagram, Cole David Taylor. I'd love to chat. I jump on random calls and send hours long of voice memos to people just because I love supporting people. A business partner hates it because I overly give, but I'm just here on the surface to serve. So whatever I can do to support someone, I'd love to uh, just shoot me a message. Love it. I got the Instagram and the Facebook yep. and we'll drop these down in the show notes below. Yeah. But what was the website? The starting line dot dot fit. Yeah. Like fitness dot fit. Awesome. Man, this has been great. Do you have any closing comment you may like to share for our listeners before we call this a wrap? Last encouragement for you and some people know this, some people don't. And even if you do know this, I think it's important to be reminded is that there's more for you in every single area. I firmly believe God has destined, designed, created, and purposed you for a life of more. More fulfillment, more passion, more purpose. There's more for you. You just got to step into it and believe that. And if no one's told you today, there's more. Like if you, you found success, great. Like God's got more for you. And wake up knowing that. Let that encourage you. And I hope you can step into that. Good word, Mr. Cole. Thank you so much for your time. It's been fun. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on here and share with our Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience. It's been such an honor. Thank you. And that's it for this week's episode. I hope you got something out of this one that will help you level up your capabilities, your mindset, and your life. If you did, can I ask you to share it with others? Here's how. Either leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify, hit us with a five-star rating if you feel it's deserving, or share it on your social media and please tag me. My social media links are in the show notes below this episode. That's the best way to get this work into the hands of others who can also benefit from what we're doing here. Until next time, friends, use your adversity to create your opportunity. Life's hard. Succeed anyway.